You're listening to Inside Acting. To learn more and make a donation, please visit InsideActingPodcast.com. Welcome to episode 18 of Inside Acting. My name is Albert Meyer. And my name is Trevor Elgott. And on this podcast, we try to crack the code to success in the entertainment industry one conversation at a time. Or at least, so says our website. And to that end, <laughs> and to that end, we of course invite on actors, casting directors, managers, agents, um, everyone and anyone from the entertainment industry, and artists in general, and bring those interviews to you guys. Of course. And uh, as always, this is um, just two dudes with the podcast. We don't pretend to know everything. So if you guys have um, uh, questions, comments, you want to throw in your two cents, feel free to get in touch with us. There are, like we said before, 12 billion ways to do that. 12 billion. Uh, you can call us, email us, just visit our website, uh, insideactingpodcast.com, and you'll see all the different ways to be part of the discussion right there. Yeah, we got uh, we got a, a nice string of voicemails there for a while, and yeah, now yeah, I'm, we did. I'm kind of sad that we don't we don't have any call uh, us this week. So call us, call us. We're both we're really lonely. We want to talk to you guys, and like, no, no. But actually, we just want your voice to be on the podcast, yeah. and and it should be because this is is all for uh, you guys and the acting community at large. I think you just changed our tagline though, Trev, because you said what did I what did I do? You said two two dudes with a podcast. I think that should be it. It should, be, it should be our tagline. InsideActingPodcast.com, right at the top, it should say, Two Dudes with a Podcast. Just Two Dudes with a Podcast. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank I you. I that wouldn't really attract very many listeners. Uh, yeah, do we have a couple thank yous for this episode? Uh, what's Joel's last name? Um, Joel, uh, what is Joel's last name? Um, I will find out in just a moment. So, Joel... Jacob. Uh, Joel Jacob. Yes. Joel Jacob uh, gave us a donation, right? Yeah, nice. yeah, we got a donation from Joel. Thank you so much, Joel, for uh, sending the love over. We got that just a day or two after we released the last episode, so she was listening. Awesome. <laughs> and, Fantastic. Uh, yeah, that was very generous. What's Thank her, you very much. Uh, what's her website? Are we oh, gonna yeah, put she, it on yeah our she's website? got a website called, uh, well, hopefully she doesn't mind if we share it. She put it. She included it with her uh, donation note. It's joeljacob.com. We'll put a link to that in the good stuff. Under episode 18. Very nice. And then I want to send a shout out to, I hope I'm saying her name right, uh, Zynga Stewart. Um, Zynga. Yeah, I'm not even going to attempt to to tell, I don't know. Just go to our website to see her website. Anyway, she she posted a link to our podcast, actually to episode 15 with Neil McDonough on her website. Mm -hmm. Um, And... uh, I don't know if she knows that we found it, but we found it. And yeah, so her stuff looks really good, by the way. <clears throat> she's she's a, 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 music, a music video director. Yeah, she's a filmmaker, music video director, and um, it's really interesting. She's got a really nice blog. Um, and like yeah. I said, I'm not going to try and... Sp- <laughs> I am not even going <laughs> to try. The names are getting more unusual yes, as we, as as we, we go, go on. on. I mean, it started yes. in that, like, now the names like uh, like Stephanie Oberhansley and Ben Whitehair sound just downright... <laughs> Like normal, common. <laughs> you know, common. There are John Doe's and yeah. Jane Doe's. Yeah, yeah. So, so Michael's and Peter's and Jane's. You know, yeah, don't be afraid to <laughs> get in touch with us. It's not a prerequisite that you have an unusual name. Uh, but Zinga is a cool name if I'm saying it right. Um, but check yeah. out her blog; it'll be on our website. 
Cool. So yeah. So what have you been up to, Trevor? Oh, you. Uh, this is. I, I was on the podcast last week. Sad. Yeah, day. yeah. I know. Yeah, Albert. As as most of you know who listened to the podcast last week, wasn't able to be with us. Um, he and I have just had crazy schedules, and we just couldn't hook up um, to get the episode out in time. Yeah. So we opted to release the episode on time on a Monday. Um, yeah. rather than wait another week. Um, and like Trevor said in, in the last episode, that's going to be like our goal is that we release them on every Monday so that you know that they're coming. You know, even if you're behind, like Freaky Green Eyes, who gets behind, you know, once Does in she? a while. It's okay. <laughs> it's cool. It's okay. It's cool. It's cool. She it's said cool. she likes to build them up and then listen to them yeah. all in one big chunk. I, I've noticed that actually looking at our, our numbers, the trend, like the numbers of the episode, mm-hmm. the, we can see how many times each episode's been accessed. And it's the the first episodes have been accessed and like this massive amount of time compared to the latest episode. So it's like this slope. So yeah. I think a lot of people are discovering the podcast and going back to the beginning and yeah. listening to them in order because every every day they all grow kind of proportionally from the beginning to the end. Right. A little bit. I think it's very cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. Cool I like that people are taking the time to go back and listen. I mean, we're we're this is episode eighteen. Wow. Yeah. So it's like yeah. eighteen hours of of. <laughs> hopefully decent content (laughs) aside from us just like you know mouthing off and laughing and being ridiculous um yeah so what what's what's oh yeah so i wasn't here last week yeah no just okay um, but what what's been going on with you um well not i listened to the episode (laughs) i did did listen to my own podcast uh it was good it was good tony's great um tony's awesome yeah part two of his interview oh we should Say what we're doing with the uh, we should the interview. Yeah, this week is um, an interview with two actors from a show that's playing right now at the Kirk Douglas Theater called The Wake. It's an original show by a playwright named Lisa Crone. Um, she's also an actor, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I the the play is I think it's still kind of in development. I think it's being marketed as a as a still being workshopped kind of production. Well, it's a co-production with Berkeley Rep, and uh-huh. then there are whispers of it going to the Public Theater in New York. Uh-huh. Um, so going to Broadway, which is amazing, which is great, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Heidi Schreck and uh, Emily Donahue are with us mm-hmm. today. And um, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, Trevor and I do work for or at the Kirk Douglas Theater, and because mm-hmm. of that, we wanted it to not we, we didn't want it to be a, a conflict of interest. So um, the whole interview thing was an idea uh, that one of our friends came up with, uh, Melissa Collins, and she's the one who actually does the interview. She's so, our correspondent. Yeah, she she kind of acts as our correspondent. So it's gonna be it's gonna be cool because there's an, another voice on the podcast, and hopefully everyone will um, enjoy that. And so, yeah. so stick around for that. And then and then Tony's part two of Tony's interview will be uh, the, next week. Yeah, we're doing we're doing the wake one this week because um, that show only plays through the 18th. And if anybody's interested in seeing it after hearing the interview, we want you to have a chance to still run down there and see it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I actually really really enjoyed the show more, much more yeah. than I anticipated I would. It is very, very intellectually dense. Like, I mean, yeah. in in the, in the best way possible. I don't. I'm not saying dense, like, uh, you know, hard headed. Right. I'm saying like it, like you have to really focus because she's such an intelligent writer that mm-hmm. every little bit is like, wait, what? What? Oh, what did I say? You know, you have to be really focused yeah. when you listen to it. But it, it kicks very a, intelligent. It kicks around a lot of potent <clears throat> political ideas, and I I was not expecting to be so engaged the entire. It's a long play. It's almost. It's almost three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was engaged every step of the way. I really enjoyed it. Superbly acted all the way around. The writing was great. Um, mm-hmm. So anybody who can go see it, check it out. And, and they talk about their audition process in the mm-hmm. interview and that kind of thing. So we'll leave that for the for the interview yeah. itself. Um, cool. So what's been going on with you? I've just been working on Chico's Angels. 
Yeah. The show's still running. We sold out. Um, we've sold out every show save two, I think. And one of them was because of a glitch with the ticketing system where the show actually wasn't even listed as available to buy tickets and for people until, still the day, until the day of. And we sold 70 seats. Shut so it was in a one day. In one day, it was, and that was Easter Sunday, dude. It was like what the the, uh, the following for this show is people massive. came out to see three dudes in drag <laughs> yeah. on Easter Sunday. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God bless America. Yeah, no, it was it was it was great, and then we had two shows that day. That was the night show, and I figured you know we might have thirty people in the audience at best. No, we we had a full house. It wasn't that's sold out, but it was almost there. Amazing. Yeah, so that, that's been going great. Um, we haven't been getting a lot of reviews, I think, because the show doesn't really doesn't seem for some reason to qualify as a play in people's eyes. Perhaps because it's kind of in this what does that mean? This alternative space below a Mexican restaurant, um, which feels more like a stand-up comedy type venue. Uh, and also because get reviewers out to stand-up comedy venues all the time. Yeah, but I, I mean, I don't know. I mean. I can't really explain why we haven't gotten reviewers, but we've been, I mean, everybody who's seen the show, uh, the people I've talked to after the show have such great things to say about it. And I was telling you early, earlier, so, some of these nights, it's like, I've been, we've been, I've been walking on stage and it's like, you can't do any wrong. You know, it's like <laughs> the audience loves the show so much already. I don't even come out until like 17 pages into the script. So by the time I walk out, they've been laughing their ass off for 25 minutes. They so by the time nice I come out, it's up. like it's like I can't. I it's like I'm so spoiled by these audiences. It's amazing. <laughs> That's and great. Uh, we close in two weeks, and I'm a little sad about that. Especially because it's paying me right now too. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, no, but that's yourself. that's great. And other than that, um, you know, I've, I've still been kind of coping with a little bit of the burnout that I talked about in the last episode. Yeah, how's um, that going? One week later, <sighs> dude. I I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of scary to to contemplate some of these ideas, but um, I'm just taking it day by day and and remembering that that um, you know, uh, there are other things than acting. So I don't need to just put all my energy towards that all the time. Yeah. And that, that takes some of the pressure off to be like, okay, you know, there's plenty of other actors out there who, who have lives, you know, working actress who's going to be on the show, uh, in one form or another, uh, coming up in the next few weeks. She, in her, one of her blog posts, she talks about whenever she kind of takes her mind off of acting and, and does something else like gardening or learning to speak another language or something like that. Yeah. She always starts getting jobs. And things like that. Wow. And what's funny is right after I, I put that episode out, the very next day I got a, an audition for a pilot. <laughs> wow. <laughs> lead role in a pilot, yeah. Nice, man. Um, so, and that, that went well, so. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. How about you, dude? What's new with you? Uh, well, my show, show is also still going on. Loyalties at the Pacific Resident Theater, if you guys want to come check it out. Um, it, it's, been, it's been really interesting. I have this sort of story to tell that's associated with that. So I was talking about, you know, uh, my manager sending agents to come see the show, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of them that came to see it was really, really interested. Like, like, really interested. Told me, like, you know, if if it was up to me, you know, I'd sign you. But the problem was, I'm I'm not I'm gonna try and keep everyone anonymous for sure. You know, the sake of whatever. I know who they are. <laughs> Trevor's a uh, got privileged information. And pretty um, sorted details. Yeah, so he, so he came and, and was very interested and said, you know, if it was up to me, you know, you'd you'd be signed with us. And this is a pretty pretty big, well known, legit agency in town. Um, and the problem, well, not the problem. The the thing about it is, is that he is not a partner in this agency. So in other words, he doesn't get to make the decisions about who goes on or mm -hmm. does not go on the roster. 
And I guess my manager or he, you know, they, they sent my headshot over, whatever. He, he brought my headshot back to the partners, showed it to him, and they said, not interested. Just by looking at your headshot? Just by looking the at the headshot. So they didn't even meet you? They didn't even look at the resume. They just looked at the headshot, said not interested. Wow. So they, they must have known right off the bat that they had several guys like you or... Well, what I have since discovered um, is that apparently the headshot that they, sh- that they showed the partners, I guess, made me look more like a character actor than a leading man. And they're looking for like leading men right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I, which I just confused the hell out of me because I look at my headshot and I go, okay, that doesn't look like a character actor to me, but you know, right. who right. knows? And then it, it kind of messed me up for a couple of days. I started going through like my 400 headshots from my previous session, kind of looking for like, well, what is, what does it mean? What does it mean to be a leading man? I don't know. Right. How and do I'm you having find a, these things? Yeah. There, there's these weird, ambiguous, amorphous yeah. definitions. Yeah, exactly. Leading man. Like that is 18 million different things. Yeah. And how do I go? And the thing is, is like, I do, now I want to get new headshots because I'm all insecure about the ones I have. <laughs> and I, I was like, how do I tell that to a headshot photographer? Right. How do I say, hey, headshot photographer, um, take a picture of me like a leading man, please. I'm going to be a leading man. Ready? And Magnum. Blue Steel. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I honestly have no idea what, how, like, anyway, so... So, uh, my, my manager and I have been having these meetings, these back and forth emails, talking to one another, stuff like that, and, um, and I just, oh, and then, um, this agent who originally came to see me in the show, uh, came to the Kirk Douglas and I just totally randomly ran into him there. And it was really cool because I, um, had gotten an email either that day or the day before that one of the partners is in fact coming to see the show. Cool. Um, this next weekend, this next weekend. So by the time the next episode comes out, he will have seen the show. So potentially one of the guys that saw your head shot and said, no. Right. He's going to now be coming to see the show. To see the show, exactly. And you're going to make him eat his words. I hope so. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, if you know, if he if he likes yeah. if he likes you know my work. I so how did so this person who gave him your headshot convinced him to see the show? I I think it was a combination of things. I think my manager was really persistent because she sent me an email and she said, "By the way, so and so is coming to see the show." Um, persistence pays. That's that was it. Okay, guys. It was like two sentences. <clears throat> you know, he's coming to see the show on the fifteenth persistence pays by the way if you're if you're even remotely thinking of coming to see my show try to come on the 15th and just laugh when i do funny things and cry when i do sad things uh no i'm kidding Uh, but you know it'd be awesome to have your support uh so yeah so now he's coming so i was like okay so what does that mean now he's gonna come he's gonna see me is he still not interested does that mean i might get a meeting with him but it's all who knows and that's when i when the agent who originally saw me in the play came to the kirk douglas that was you know it was very cool we we ended up having a really awesome conversation because he he really likes me and he was like you know your whole career this is this is like knowledge bomb time Put, nice. the, put the sound, sound effect. Put the sound effect in. All right. He was like, you know, your whole career, you're gonna have the whole like, you know, oh, I, I like this manager, I don't like that manager. This agent likes me. This agent doesn't do anything for me. You know, you know, all people fighting over you and, and you like getting rid of people and firing people and blah blah blah. This and that. And he's like, you're, that's gonna happen your entire career. And what you need to realize now at this point in your career is that there's nothing that you can do about it. He said. Mm. He said, what you have control over is how you act 
and how you look. And I love that because it's so true. Like in a way, there's nothing that I could have done to convince them that that headshot that they saw was leading man as opposed to character. Like I had nothing to do with that decision. Right. And remember when we were talking to um, Matthew Rowland in episode 10 or 11, Mm -hmm. you know, and we were, and he was talking about the kind of uh, deals that happen when actors do or do not get a part and how it sometimes has nothing to do with the actor. It could come down to a matter of money, a matter of getting, you know, international rights to a movie, like all these different things. And so there's so little that you have control over. So what you do have control over, like, Take control of that. Mm-hmm. What you know, how you act, and 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 how you look. So, so go to acting classes and go to the gym. I guess is the, right. is the <laughs> right. you knowledge know, ball is the nugget there, right? You know, <laughs> go to acting class, go to the gym. Yeah, I yeah, guess. Yeah, We're, you know, I, and 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 I don't know. That's what I've been doing. I guess you know, I've been yeah. going to casting director workshops. I've been going to the gym. You've been doing plays. I mean, you been doing yeah. plays. You know, so uh, hopefully, I'm fulfilling. You know that yeah i would i would it's in it's an interesting thought and i would really like to get our listeners feedback on it so if you have any i mean because you know some people would argue the opposite of that like i'm sure brian vermeer is you know Mm -hmm. cringing right now because like there's so much other stuff that you can do sure well great what is it you know i mean we've been talking about this for 18 episodes. Right. You know? Right. Well, I mean, building relationships would be the other part of it. I mean, there's, there's true. You, you can, true. you can reach out to those people consistently, but, and know. I have a great relationship with this agent now, Yeah. regardless of what, you know, one of the other things he said that I thought was just very, very cool was like, he, he said, you have a great future ahead of you. I hope it's with us. Wow. You know? So, I mean, that's cool. So I have an awesome relationship with this guy at this point. So, you know, uh, he probably, you know, wouldn't, or can't hip pocket me. I mean, he pro- you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's probably the extent of the relationship probably ends with, uh, you know, this sort of, you know, mild friendship that we've, I've only met the guy twice you right. know, and had other correspondence with him via my manager. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's cool that we have this relationship, but he's also not the decision maker, but who maybe someday he'll have his own agency and he will mm-hmm. be the decision maker. Yeah. You know what I mean? So who knows? So I agree with you on that point. The relationship. Any, what else would you ask to add to that? Acting classes, the gym, I mean, relationship business. That's really, that's really all that you can do, you know? But I mean, there's so many little sub steps within those things, you know? Yeah. I mean, building relationships, that's like a whole 40 part series, you know, right. on like, on like the different ways you can do that. But, but I mean, I think that's a lot of what's been burning me out is that aspect of it. Because a lot of times... I don't know. Maybe we should say this for another episode, but I feel like the relationship building is so plagued that the whole idea of networking, I, I, I sent a tweet about this months ago, but the whole idea of networking and how it just really turns me off to be networked with, yeah. um, on the rare occasions that people have wanted to network with me and on the <laughs> occasions when I felt pressured to network with somebody else, I felt so fake. And so I've just realized, you know, like I don't really have a lot to be bringing to these, these, these relationships until I, or I have a lot to be bringing all the time, but I don't feel like I have a lot in my own weird Trevor paradigm head. I don't feel like I have a lot to be bringing until I have my own work that I've created behind that. To me for, on some weird level, that is where it, I am qualifying myself to be able to talk to people like that as an equal. That's just my own thing. That's my own thing. And that's probably uh, handicapped for me in a lot of ways. That's really interesting. But that's kind of where I am right now. And 
I guess because it kind of proves that I don't really, I don't know. I don't know how to to articulate it yet. Stay tuned for episode 19 <laughs> when I figure this out. <laughs> no, it's really, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm going to have to digest that before I can respond to it. Yeah. It puts you on the same, so creating your own work puts you on the same, or, or gives you something, gives you some kind of fuel or some kind of um, backing. Some yeah. legitimacy. That's well, that, the word I'm looking for. And, that, and then I don't, cause then Some I don't kind of feel like, yeah, then I don't feel like an actor who's just dying to read somebody else's words. That, that to me doesn't feel like the full genesis of my artistry. You know, it's like there, there's so much to be said for that. And you have brilliant writers out there like, like Lisa Crowen, for instance, and I would love to work on her script. But at the same time, there's a part of me that feels like I'm selling myself short. If I'm not also creating my own stuff. I feel like you have to have that third dimension or else, you know what? This is really interesting. Something's coming back to me as you're saying this, a, a friend of mine, um, who's a fantastic actor. I'll say his name on the podcast. Uh, his name is Sunkrish Bala. Um, he's done a lot of work. He's been on cold case. He's been on Grey's anatomy. Um, and he was one of the main, uh, stars, the series regulars on, uh, that show that was only on for like two or three seasons notes from the underbelly. Yeah. And I remember something he said, to me once, you know, when I was asking him, cause like, of course, you know, you're proud of your friends. I went to school with them. So I was proud of them for being on there. So I was like, how's it going? You know, how's it, how are you having fun? Like, what's it, you know, what's it like? And he said he was, he's probably going to hate me for saying this. He was saying like, it wasn't everything that he wanted from acting. Um, he didn't say it this way, but it was essentially, I can, I'm trying to boil it down. He said it wasn't everything that he wanted from acting because really all he was doing was showing up and reading the writers who were funny, mm -hmm. reading their lines off of a page yeah, for the cameras. Yeah. And that's what he was hired to do. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, there's probably a ton of actors out there listening to this right now saying, are you kidding me? What an ungrateful little, you know, yeah, but yeah. <clears throat> it was a really interesting conversation that I had with just a friend. He was being very candid with me and, um, you know, it, it it just, it reminds me of what you're saying right now. I don't have to think about that, man. That's kind of blowing my mind it's, a little bit. It's, it's very interesting because, you know, that's what actors do. You know, I mean, like huge job, you know, um, um, Clint Eastwood, like all these amazing actors out there. That's what they do. That's their job. Yeah. But they also all, I mean, if you look at them, almost all of them have production companies mm. and they're mm -hmm. also all kind of working on their own stuff in some form or another, you know, um, like uh, Hugh Jackman produced Wolverine. You know, Clint Eastwood's writing and directing and making his own films now. So it's like all of them, they do the acting thing, but it's almost like it almost at a certain point in your career becomes secondary to making your own work and telling your own stories. But what I really yeah. want to do <clears throat> is direct. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, well, so I don't know. There, let's continue this conversation in, uh, in, in episode 19 because there's, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. We've also got some awesome uh, blog posts uh, or blogs in general that we want to kind of share with you guys. So yeah. stick around for that in episode 19 and stick around for this interview with uh, actors Heidi Schreck and Emily Donahue from The Wake. Donahoe. Donahoe, Don I think. Is it Donahoe? I think so. Oh, yeah. My bad. It's cool. Emily Donahoe. <laughs> Smack. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we'll see you after the interview.
This is Melissa Collins for Inside Acting Podcast, and I'm here with two actresses, two um, of the main actresses of The Wake, which is currently playing at the Kirk Douglas Theater under the umbrella of the Center Theater Group. Um, so, ladies, hi. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Um, Heidi Schreck and Emily Donahoe. Um, I am sitting here with. Um, I guess we'll start, um, if you ladies would like to kind of start off and tell us how, how you came to love theater and fall into a, a career in acting. Sure. Do you want to start, Emily? You first. <laughs> um, I did theater as a child. Starting at age five, my mom had a Shakespeare troupe for children. So I played all the great Shakespeare leading ladies between the ages of five and 12. Uh, <laughs> and that's how I started. <laughs> I played everything. It was She cast me in all the lead roles, which was very lucky for me. Um, it was a great introduction to the theater and made me love acting and love Shakespeare in particular. Um, and then I took a long break. I did ballet while growing up and then happened to get back into it in, in college. Um, yeah. So, but my introduction was definitely through my mom. <clears throat> yeah, I started as a kid too. I am, I'm from Louisiana and there was a local children's community theater that mounted these kind of big musicals. And, um, my parents took me there after kind of watching me dance around the living room long enough, I think. <laughs> and um, it was a great, it was great. It was a children's theater. It was a, it's still there. Um, and I just basically did everything I could um, at that theater and then went on to study at college as well. Okay. Where did you yeah. ladies go to school? I went to Vassar, which is um, outside New York State, like about two hours outside of the city, and then moved to the city right after I graduated. Uh, I went to University of Oregon in Eugene and then moved to Russia for a couple years. And then I moved to Seattle where I started a theater company um, or I joined a theater company that a bunch of friends of mine were starting. And I was there for about seven years before I moved to New York City. Okay. So yeah. after college, you ladies both find yourselves in New York City. And, and what then? I think we both have done a lot of downtown theater, actually. Yes. Um, I... Um, I did a bunch of stuff at places like the Collective Unconscious and the Ontological Hysteric, and um, there were a lot of places that um, kind of had like weekend works. I don't know that like you know where uh, there were a lot of young people there from just college writing, directing, acting, and we all kind of just jumped in. And it's so funny looking back on it. I'm like, God, we were so. Like, I would say brave, except I think the word is stupid. Like, we had no idea. You know, we just kind of showed up in New York, got temp jobs, and started auditioning for anything below 14th Street that would see us, and um, creating our own stuff and throwing it up. Um, and I guess that's kind of, uh, from there, I started kind of realizing I wanted to go to grad school. So I left the city for three years to go to graduate school, actually, at UCSD, um, where I was yesterday. Um, but, um, so that was kind of, I guess, my introduction to New York. And then when I came back, you know, I went right back downtown. <laughs> but this one works downtown all the time. Yeah. Well, when I moved to New York, I had um, I was part of a theater company in Seattle that did works by new playwrights. These great playwrights, Ann Washburn and Sheila Callahan, um, Naomi Azuka, you might know. And so when I moved to New York, I knew all these playwrights, which was very lucky for me because I started working right away in all these great sort of new cutting edge plays. Um, so that was sort of my introduction to New York. And then, um, and, and then worked a lot downtown with some really great companies. Um, 
and then just sort of started working uptown last year at Playwrights Horizons um, in this great Annie Baker play called Circle Mirror Transformation, which will now be all over the country. You can see it. Um, it's going to be at South Coast Rep, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, next year. But she was in with Dee Dee, who's yes. also in the show. Yeah, the woman oh, who plays Judy, she and I were in this fantastic play together that ran in New York for quite a while. Um, yeah, that was sort of my, I, I sort of, my transition to New York was easy because I sort of met all these New York playwrights living in Seattle, so I was very lucky. So what is it like living in New York and just just getting to the New York theater scene and making it work with the temp job and paying the rent and doing theater? Like, what what was that like being, you know, newly immersed in New York? Um, I, it's so funny. I think back on that, and I'm like, I had such boundless energy because, like, really, I would get up and go to work from nine to five, grab like a hot dog or something like something, get on the subway, go down to rehearsal at six and stay till 11. And I wasn't in the union. So a lot of times we'd rehearse till like two. Oh my God. <laughs> like it was like, and then I'd get up and do it again the next day, you know? And I think that like at the time it was such, we were so excited by kind of the work that we were doing and we were so young and it was also new. Um, as I've gotten older, it seems that the trick uh, it's to find ways to support your work and buy back your time. So um, as I've gotten older, a lot of my I've done this, and a lot of my friends have done this. Have found ways to make money that they enjoy and that they don't have to work as much, so they have their time to write or develop or audition. Um, telecommuting, I think, has really been helpful for for theater artists because it means that you can you know it gives you so much more flexibility in terms of your schedule. Um, I've done shows. I did a show last year on Broadway where I actually once the show was up and running, telecommuted from my dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, that's common now. That's a really common thing now. Um, so. I don't know. That's kind of what I did. Yeah. When I moved to New York, I was a copywriting for um, Microsoft because I was in Seattle. So I, yeah, I telecommuted. Basically, I could work from home sort of part-time when I wanted, which is how I supported myself. And then I've taught English. Um, I'm also a playwright. Um, so I've lived on fellowships and grants and publishing and things like that. So I just sort of cobble those things together, copywriting, teaching, um, playwriting. I think it's a juggling act for everyone. Yes, Do you agree with that? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. How many balls you can keep in the air? <laughs> How many balls can you keep in the air? Uh, it's surprising. Uh. <laughs> it's surprising. It's amazing what fear will motivate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we do a lot. I mean, you know, I have a, I consult. I work as a, I specialize in working with women, like media training and doing public communications training with women. Oh, okay. so I have a company that does that. I'm also a producer um, and a writer. And um, I do new business development for a company part-time. So, I mean, it's really just like, I have 18. Oh, I lost my earphone here. <laughs> I have a bunch of folders open on my, compu on my computer desktop with just like kind of each thing. And I have to keep them lined up a certain way. Because <laughs> otherwise my life falls <laughs> But it's got my acting work, you know, and, like, the stuff that I do in between. It's all there. So what has your experience been in terms of being a new actor and getting an agent and being a seasoned actor? And how has agenting, agent shopping worked for you? What does that look like? Well, I worked for a really long time without an agent, um, just because I was working downtown a lot. And with some, I did a lot of experimental theater, and I didn't really need an agent. Um, uh, and then a couple years ago, I just had a friend recommend someone to me, um, and that I won an OB, and then I got an agent. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> Congratulations. Well, it was like we don't really want a woman in her thirties, but then 
Yeah, it was actually very difficult, and then that came along at sort of the perfect time when I was interviewing with people, and so I got sort of lucky that way. I guess. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true, I was, because there's, you know, there's a lot of women, uh, there's just a lot of, you know, I, I think it's particularly difficult for actresses. Like, there's a huge amount of competition, in some ways still in theater, Although that's changing now, there are less roles. Women, I think, gravitate toward theater um, more than men. Um, so the competition is, you know, is just kind of crazy. And if you're, you know, a woman in her 30s, like, agents don't necessarily need you, you know. Yeah. So. It's true. <laughs> it's true. So you have to get kind of lucky, I think. Yeah. I got my agent because um, <clears throat> I did a showcase with my graduate program in New York City. Um, and we did it, I guess, with NYU and Yale, the graduate programs there. And they do one in New York and they do one in L.A. Um, and so I've been with her for, since 2003. So I've been very lucky that way because I feel like, you know, I found somebody really great and we really get each other and they've really helped me kind of develop. But before I had an agent, what I would do is I would sit at my temp job and mm-hmm. I got... Um, backstage, and I got every acting website that I possibly could, and I basically agented for myself. Um, and I did it like my job because I had one of those temp jobs where my boss was like, "If I don't have stuff for you, feel free to read." Like I didn't have to look busy. Oh, nice. Um, he was great, and so um, I was like, "Great!" So basically, I have an office. <laughs> that is basically what it is, and structure because, like, left to my own devices, I won't necessarily, um, you know, do it. But I had to be there from nine to five, and I was motivated by being there that I didn't want to be there. So I was like, "How can I get out of here? I will mail every single person in backstage a picture every week until someone hires me to do something." <laughs> and it worked, you know. And I feel like um, I got, you know, it was. It was in the late 90s then, and I got a lot of independent film work that way, um, you know, which I was able to put together a reel. Um, and I just found, like, that I, I felt, I, I kind of found there was a lesson there because I've continued to, like, whenever I'm working as hard as my agent is, um, things tend to happen. Whereas if I sit back, you know, they don't. I just feel like it's, yeah. it's one of those things. It never stops. Yeah. Um, what has working in L.A.? been like for you? How has it been similar or different from theater in New York? It feels similar to New York in the sense that I, I mean, I, I haven't seen much of LA. Well, I've been here. I've been, you know, I've been at home and at, in the rehearsal studio and I'm working with a lot of people I know from New York. So it feels a little bit like doing theater in New York. I just, I happen to be when I go home, going home to a different apartment. <laughs> um, you know, I don't exactly have a sense because it's been such a, um, quick process and putting up a, such a huge play in such a short amount of time, I haven't really taken in much of the city personally. Um, so it feels a little bit like just doing what I do in New York, but I'm in a different place. Um, I don't know if it's different for it's you. Def- I feel like it's the same. It's been very, because the play is so big that, we, I mean, a life in rehearsal is basically like sleep when you're not in the theater. Right. Um, or try to exercise and you know, other, <laughs> learn your lines, yeah. you know, and like yeah. prepare, which was great, you know, and now that the show's open, um, I haven't had a chance much to explore the city at all. Um, the audiences are lovely here. Yes. Um, uh, also the, all of CTG is great. And the crew here at the Kirk Douglas is one of the 
yeah. most fun. <laughs> we have a amazing. It's just an amazing group of people. Like I do. The, I loved the people who work here and who run this theater and who um, put this show on. They're really, really fun, great, amazing people. Yeah, so that's been really nice. Yeah, we're having a great time. I yeah. think the thing too that's so funny about doing uh, theater outside of New York is like the buildings are the theater itself is. Oh, they're so nice. They're so nice. <laughs> you know, like we're just like, wow. I mean, the first no time bugs. I walked in, no bugs. There aren't holes in the walls. <laughs> you know, um, so I mean, it's kind of just like, wow. And this theater is so beautiful. You know, um, it's kind of yeah. It is a beautiful theater. I am. Um, I saw the wake. I've seen the wake twice now. I saw it two weeks ago, and then I saw it over the weekend. And one of the things that. I, that that was the the most striking for me is that every single character in the play was so was developed to such an extreme. Do you know what I mean? Like it it wasn't. You know, there are oftentimes I can go to theater performances and I can be like, oh well, this actress did this, and I I will remember because I am an an, an actress and I am part of the business that I will I'll remember like what lines weren't believable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And you can get really specific and sure. nitpicky. And um, everything was so specific and so well-developed. What are your individual processes like in terms of character development? Oh, oh my gosh. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to think. Well, um, I think that the first thing with this one was that um, there was so... And I, I feel ridiculous, I have to say, first of all, even addressing this, because Heidi has so much text that I will let her pick up the ball in front of the doctor I talk about it. But um, I... Um, because, you know, Amy has these speeches, you know, about negative space. I feel like the first thing... Um, was a kind of technical concern of like trying to make sure that I kind of could get the language under me. Um, so I feel like a process, that was a, a lot of it for me, like, you know, reading Jane Jacobs, making sure I had a hold of the ideas, you know, that I could speak them in a really kind of basic and clear way. Um, and, you know, I got to, it was funny because uh, Amy is a filmmaker and the film starts at the time I was doing a lot of independent film in New York. So I feel like I knew kind of, I knew that type of woman, you know, like I, I, I had a lot of friends that are basically Amy. And so in terms of just basic, like, character character work. Um, I feel like I had a lot of friends to kind of think of when, uh, you know, in rehearsal and stuff that she reminded right. me of. And even looking at the the first costume sketches, I was like, I know Amy. <laughs> <laughs> Amy's like 10 of my best friends. Um, so I, I don't know, but in terms of like a specific kind of process, I feel like this one was so big and we did it so quickly that we all, I just jumped. I mean, we just kind of belly flopped into the pool. You yeah. Know? Um, but the text, the text, the text, like, Talk about um, talk about your process, maybe. Yes, well, it, I mean, this has definitely been a kind of boot camp process for me, um, in part because I talk nonstop, basically, for two and a half hours. And then the play kept changing, which was great. I mean, um, Lisa's such a fantastic writer and such a smart writer. The play just kept getting better and better. Um, but as you know from watching it, the language is pretty dense, and so having to learn and then relearn a lot of this very dense language... Um, at some point, I just really was only concerned about whether I could remember everything I had to say. <laughs> you know, and then just sort of trusting that in the act of committing it to memory, like I was using my whole organism to, you know, to, um, to organize and process and, and make or, you know, find an organic place that these things were coming from. But, um, you know, I, I had seen this play a couple of years ago. I was working on a different play at Sundance Theatre Lab, and so I knew the play. I've known it for a long time. I was very interested in the ideas. Um, Lisa and Lee provided a tremendous amount of guidance. I think 
because Lisa's an actress, she understands her characters very well and understands how to, you know, communicate to other actors um, very specifically about what's going on. So I think, and Lee is the same way. She's just a fantastic actor's director. I think it would have been really tricky if that weren't the case because we did really basically put it up in three weeks. Um, mm -hmm. So I felt like they gave me a, a lot of help. Um, yes. In addition to my own <laughs> process, they were able to get me places more quickly than I would have been able to to find alone. I think. What were your What were you? I'm interested. What were you, What were your What was the audition process like for this? You know what I mean? I think that it's it's easy to speak generally about the audition process, uh -huh. but it's kind of a privilege to be able to ask specifically about a certain project. What what did that entail, like from beginning to getting cast? What was that like? Well, for me, um, I I actually had a different job, and then I saw that this job had opened up. I knew that someone else was originally going to play this part, and I saw that it opened up, and so I... Um, I know Lee. Lee directed my play last year off-Broadway, a play called Creature. So I asked her if I could audition, and she said yes. And so I, um, I got the sides. They were very dense political language. It's sort of the argument about, um, uh, about the 2000 election and the Republicans sort of undermining the whole system of our democracy. So they were very... It was like three pages of that, <laughs> um, plus a monologue. And then... Um, a scene with Danny, the, sort of the the scene where Danny asks Ellen to choose uh, to make a choice between Danny and and Amy. So I worked on them um, with some friends. I worked. My husband's a director. I worked with him. I spent a long, long time on the language. Just that, you know, these characters are so smart and so articulate and so knowledgeable politically that. Um, it takes a lot of work just to sound like you know what the heck you're talking about. <laughs> Which is important. <laughs> and to actually know what the heck you're talking right, about. Right. And then to figure out like how a person who speaks like that in real life speaks, because I'm not, a, I, I'm not like that. You know, That's not my, my go-to mode to have big, giant political arguments. So I spent a really long time on that particular side, particularly with my husband, who does like to argue like that. I, I'm the person who usually leaves the room when he starts talking about politics. Um, <laughs> so so I did that, went in for the first audition. I felt really great about it and then went home the next day, got a callback, um, went to the callback, did the same thing over again. Lee worked with me a little bit um, on that side, on the great political tirade. And then, um, and then I was going to do a show at Playwrights Horizons and as soon as I got to the theater, I got the call um, offering me the part, which was very exciting. <laughs> and I saw Amy actually at the callback. Yeah, that's true. We ran Amy. into each other, and I, I was like, Emily, because I, I was like, oh my gosh, maybe we'll get to read together. <laughs> but we actually didn't. Yeah, I was so sad just because I was like, oh, this will be awesome to read with Heidi. <laughs> yeah, she was the only other person I saw yeah. at the callback. Actually, right. so that was very exciting. Yeah, <laughs> um, I actually had acted with Lisa um, a couple of years ago. Uh, we we did a workshop together where we played lovers. And um, so that's how I knew her. And then I got called in originally actually for Lori. Um, and when I got there, I guess they, you know, they handed me some other size. I said, go out, take a look, come back in. Ooh. Um, that's another earthquake. I know. I know we're on a roll here. We, had, a, we had to stop the show the other day. 
because of the earthquake. Oh, really? Yes, yes we did. We it was did. Very exciting. Everything was shaking. Heidi got called off the stage. Oh my gosh! The yeah. audience left, <laughs> and oh, then no. they came back. Oh, and good. I just, like, well, the that's last a win. 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, for the last thirty seconds of the show, oh. it was very exciting. I had to bring them back up to up to date, and then <laughs> it was finish great. it off. <laughs> they were lovely. Oh, gosh. Um, but anyway, you know, it was kind of basically the same type of thing. You know, I, I did it the first. I, I auditioned. They they called me back. Lee worked with me for a bit, and then. Offer, but it was great to to get to work with to see Lisa again and get to work with her in a completely new way this time. You know, and the play is so phenomenal to get to be part of it. it was just like to even I was just excited to go in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was really one of those. I feel like it was one of those things that everybody wanted to get in for because they were so excited mm-hmm. about what the play was and yeah. and working with both Lee and Lisa. Like you know, yeah. people were really scrambling to get in the door for it. So yeah, that's true. So you are both part of Equity, I assume, Actors' Equity. Yes. Um, yes. Are there other unions that you are part of? I'm in SAG. Yeah, I'm just in Equity. What um, has your process been like becoming part of those unions? Expensive. Yeah. <laughs> More expensive now. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I have this like thing about sex. I have some must-join years ago, and I was subletting like apartment to apartment, and they couldn't find me to make me join. And I felt like I was like running from like them and like you know that joke from Reality Bites, like the Columbia House record people. <laughs> like I was like oh, I was running from SAG, trying not to pay. You know, um, I finally did. I finally joined. I had to. Um, they tracked me down. Um, but I mean, it, it makes a difference, you know. It's, it's really nice, actually, finally to be in the to be in SAG. Um, and I've been in Equity. God, I don't know how long I've been in Equity. Yeah, I joined right before I moved to New York. In Seattle, it wasn't um, really beneficial because there aren't that many union houses. Um, so I took a part um, in Seattle right before I moved to New York that and got my Equity card um, so that I could be Equity when I got to New York. So where do you, ladies, see your careers going? Where do you, how do you want to further develop them? I, I mean, I sort of have a dual career because I'm just, I just recently started, you know, having plays produced in New York. I'm going to have another play go up at Rattlestick Playwright Theater um, next year. So I'm sort of... I mean, I guess my ideal would be to be working, you know, getting plays produced and working consistently as an actor. I would love to get a little more uh, film and television work, just simply because I'm, I'm interested in exploring that other medium and then, of course, financially. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess my ideal would be to keep doing exactly what I'm doing, but to have the percentage of, like... Um, of other work I have to do diminish. So if I could just be <laughs> exactly living more and more off of my plays and and you know off of my acting salary, that would sort of be my goal. Just more of what I'm doing already, I guess. Yeah, I'd say the same. I also produce. I have an off-Broadway production company, um, and we have a couple of films and pre-production, um, small films. And it's really funny. I feel like you know a lot of actors. It's so cheap now to make films like or to do anything like that and so a lot of us are finding ourselves who never ever thought that we would be writing screenplays or doing adaptations for film are now just like well it's cheaper than theater (laughs) you know and we love the medium and want to you know work in it and so um yeah I definitely I have to I think that's a perfect answer more of the same and you know and less of the day job less of the day job (laughs) that's the goal (laughs) yeah 
Um, we always like to leave our audience with the gem that we, that you would like to impart. If there's if there's any any single piece of advice or or experience that you can share to fellow actors and um, most of our audience is is just starting out and trying to figure out the ropes, you know, um, what what is that for you? Well, I, I, I know something that really helped me that's just really practical. Um, there's a book called uh, by Brian O'Neill called Acting as a Business. Do you guys know this book? Um, they bring, he wrote this book that basically is like, it's not one of those acting books that where they tell you um, to come in, like, you know, are you sure you want to do it? Like, it's not kind of one of those books. It's like, here's what you need to do. You need to get postcards <laughs> that are four by six and mail them every second Tuesday. You know, like, it goes into all that detail. Um, and I feel like it's, that was, I, I felt like it was a guide, basically, like a marketing guide, marketing theory, and marketing guide for actors. Uh-huh. And I found it, especially before I had an agent, like, the most useful Thing ever, um, and then I actually called him once. I was in the drama bookstore, and I like read his book so much. I was like, I'm just gonna call him. So you I, did. I called him in New York. I was like, Hi, it's Emily. I read your book. I have a question. Um, and it turns out he's actually really receptive to that, and he's really lovely with young actors. And um, but I just found just as a really so practical call thing, him. call him. I have his number. Um, but uh, he, I would say that book, like just in terms of getting started organizing kind of an attack, uh, you know, like for casting directors and directors and projects you want to get in for, um, I found that to be like one of the most useful things I did in the 10 years that I was starting out, I swear, for what it's worth. <laughs> That's great. I'm going to get that book. I am. <laughs> I, I mean, I t- took a very circuitous path to what I'm doing now and um I mean, for me, I guess the one the, the way that I got work was I was just really interested in plays and playwrights. And, um, you know, from the time I was in college and when I moved to Seattle, like, I just wanted to know what young, new, interesting playwrights were doing. And it's how I got all my work. It's really by a, you know, in some ways why I'm here today. Like, I met playwrights who knew Annie Baker, and I ended up at Sundance, where I met Lisa and Lee. Like, it's always been... I've been very bad at the sort of businessy part of it, but I've been very good at being interested in what playwrights are doing. And so I feel like if you want to work in theater, uh, that's my biggest advice, is find out what kind of plays you like, go to them, audition for them, try to find out what, like, young people... um, you know, or people your age are actually doing the, the, what the interesting artists are doing and seek them out. Um, that has been, that's the only thing that I know that I've done right. Um, and it's, it's pretty much gotten me everything I've, you know, I've had in the theater. So that would be my advice is just figure out what you're interested in artistically, what kind of plays you like, what kind of artists you like, um, and go find those people. I think it's, I think that's so so right because like there's such a community I mean the thing is you get to be part of a community I mean like and once you realize that like there's a community of artists out there and you get to join it you know to just like seek out that opportunity pursue people whose work you know that you adore a friend of mine was like I've resolved to gush if I love someone, I stay after and I gush. And then after they deflect, I just keep gushing. Because it's so rare that you feel that way. And that turns into work, you know? And it turns into work you like to do, you know? Um, but it is a, it, it's, a real, it's a real community. And I feel like that's yeah. so right, like, to go, to, to just participate, like, fully, you know? I think that's really smart, Heidi. You're very smart. You're smarty pants. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the show closes on the 18th? Yes. 
On the 18th. It is a fabulous show. Everyone come see it. Come yes, see it before the 18th. It. It's yes. an amazing play. It truly is. It right? is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's really inspiring, and I think that the the political juxtaposition with the you know along with the the personal plight of you know of the main characters is really thought provoking, interesting, inspiring. Which was the main reason that you know like I came to see it again was because I saw in every single character something of myself. Yes, I was like I need to go see this again, and then wow. And then I, it looked like I stalked you ladies down for an interview, but I promise I didn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> like no, this it. has been great. Yeah, it's been really wonderful to be here. Thank you for having us. People want to find out more about you guys specifically. Is there a website they can go to or anything like that? I don't have a website. I just built mine. Nice. nice. I know. I don't know. Emily has a website. I do. I, it's, it's literally, it's 12 hours old. <laughs> and it's a wreck. But... <laughs> But go there. It's um, emily-donahoe.com. How do you spell your last name? D-O-N-A-H-O-E. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, ladies, so much. Yeah, thank you. Great to meet you. All right, guys. Welcome back. Hope you dug that interview. So a big shout out and thank you to uh, Melissa Collins for being our correspondent in the field there. That was great. Yes, absolutely. And they, they were, you know, as is often the case with actors that are really, really excellent, such warm, inviting, generous people. Oh yeah, totally. That was, you know, you're, you're, we were we were there. We yeah, just we were didn't want to be didn't. on tape, you know. Um, and it was great. They were they were so nice and and so easy to talk to and yeah. so friendly and. I noticed that's a, that's a trend among the people who are very who are you know even moderately successful. They're always just such great people. You very rarely find somebody mega successful who's a total jerk. Well, I can't think of anybody we've had on the podcast that's been like, where I've been like, man, I want to get, I don't like this person. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Get away from me, you yeah, know? Yeah. Uh, everybody's been, you know, really generous with their time. And so thank you, Heidi and Emily, for doing that. Yes, thank you very much. And go see The Wake. Uh, hit up our website, insideactingpodcast.com, for a link to the Center Theater Group's website where you can learn more about the show and buy tickets. It's a good show. Don't miss it. Cool. Well, well that probably does it for that wraps it up. Yeah. So uh, uh, please, please, please visit the website and uh, fan us on Facebook. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at twitter.com slash digital actor. I'm at twitter.com slash Trevor Algant. Send us an email at insideactingpodcast at gmail.com. And call us, 213-2-ACTORS. Please call us. Please, please, Leave please. Us voicemail. Give us a voicemail. We'd love to have your voice on the podcast as well yeah. as ours. That'd be amazing. And, of course, last but certainly not least, you can donate. I feel like I always plug the donation thing, so why don't yeah, I, well, I was, I was, I was okay. about to. And cool. came in there. <laughs> Uh, no, anyway, um, <laughs> yes, please, um, you know, Trevor and I obviously do all this out of pocket, and, you know, if you find something of value uh, out of it, even if it's a dollar, like, you know, that's a dollar's worth of value, and, and we appreciate every bit of it. It helps pay for gas, getting to and from the interviews, um, you know, production costs, all the file hosting, like, actually putting them online and allowing you to download them, um, all cost money, so... Um, we thank you for doing that. Head on over to InsideActingPodcast.com. The donate button is on the right-hand side. And it's done through PayPal. It is secure, and you can write it off if you're an actor. That's I right. I know I just did my taxes, and just glad that I had a few things to write off. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote off some of the equipment here. So yeah, yeah, me yeah. too, actually. Yeah. Cool. Well, Excellent. thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we will see you next week with part two of Tony Rago's interview. 
Until then, uh, my name is Trevor Elgott. And I'm Albert Meyer. Have a great week.